Woodley on the beat. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Million Dollar Converse podcast. I'm your host, Bayani. Now, we're here with two founders in the data collection space, the founders of Querytel Discovery, uh, Kevin Martin and Shanae Bennett. Now, gentlemen, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us here. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man. So, you know, Kevin, we had a conversation prior. Um, you were telling me about the history behind Querytel, but since both of you are here now, you know, we think that we could get a more complete, like a more complete story from both perspectives on how Querytel started and why data collection. Can you give us that answer? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start and then I could jump in, but... Um, I think to really get a sense of how Querytel started, we have to really go back to how Shanae and I actually met um, right. because usually it's that's where the story begins for us. Um, so we both were at UA um, and we both had a mutual love for debating and public speaking. Um, so I was a year ahead of Shanae um, and then I took a year, well, not necessarily a year off, but I step back because I started working at the same time. Uh, so I wouldn't be able to be in the space. And then when I came back, people were always talking about this Shanae, this Shanae. I'm like, who is this guy? Why, why, is, why is everyone like talking about he's, he's so good at what he's doing in debate yeah. and stuff? Um, long story short is that uh, there was an election for president, but it was kind of preordained that I would have taken over because I was a year ahead. Um, however, it didn't quite go that way. And for some reason, Shana ended up in a job where he didn't know what he was doing. I know exactly what I was doing, <laughs> but I'm also a really good person on allocation of resources. So when I realized that, you know, that Kevon had the expertise and, and how to run an organization, I was like, why not? In fact, um, we began at that point in times by adding somebody like an appointment because usually everybody in the debate society would re be required to be elected. Um, and I said, well, why not? Um, but I, 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 the people who are elected, they, they sound like they have what, that, that they're making a lot of sense, but um, I really wanted someone that really understood stuff. So we created appointed positions and Kevin was one of the first persons who was um, an appointed officer of the debate society because I thought he had what it took. Kevin, to Kevin, you sound, Kevin, you sound like a bitter room. You sound like you have a little bitter. <laughs> well, it's not so much bitterness, but just pointing out that, you know, it's a funny story uh, because right. uh, most persons would like retract themselves from the situation and not really, you know, participate or even become friends with somebody that they felt wrong them or what, for whatever reason. It didn't work out in their favor. But right. what that provided us with is a connection where we discovered that we almost live in the same direction. So we would take the bus home, we'll talk about issues and debate is always about problem solving, finding solutions and so on. 
And through our conversations, um, Shanae started telling me about this idea that he had that he was working on in terms of building a platform to help students on campus connect with research um, assistants, meaning that persons who could help them with conducting research or, or conducting stuff. Um, and that was the origin of what Quartel became. Initially, the name wasn't even Quartel, it was like Research Aid Plus, which was like a terrible name. <laughs> Looking back at it now, but what we discovered was that we started working on it. We went to Pitch It Caribbean, which was like a pitch competition in St. Kitts, um, and Shana couldn't attend, so I had to go in his place. So I, I only like kind of briefly heard about the idea. I didn't really, you know, started contributing to it. So he asking me to go and pitch was like out of the blue. I'm like, Virgin, man, I don't know about this. So why are you yeah. sending me? Yeah. So, so I eventually went and having to learn more about the idea, pitch it, get it out there, talk to people about it. Um, we didn't win the competition, but what it did is provided feedback because at one of the events after the competition, an invest, angel investor from, I think, BVI came over and he explained to me why using, if we were getting research done for businesses, because he had a business that um, he invested some money to get some products into Jamaica, but he could not. He, he lost a lot of money. He lost like 1.5 million US dollars in that investment. It did Whoa. not work out. Yeah. So he was saying that basically the information that he needed was, it seemed really simple now, but he, he couldn't get that information. Um, before, so he went off of gut feeling, what people were saying and so on, and that didn't quite work out. And that's where the light bulb went off for us. And to, to really make it grow, it was really to invest a lot of time and effort in talking to people, attending conferences, and, you know, really working on our idea. Where it is now is coming from a long way in terms of the structuring, how it works and everything. Um, so that, that, that's really, that's really the, the origin of Puerto and, and how um, we've been able to iterate and build it. Um, yeah. All right. So... You gave us the, the, the page one um, autobiography of Quarital itself, right? Now, operating a startup is very difficult. Um, in the beginning, when, you know, there isn't much traction there, the vision hasn't quite formulated itself as yet. You know, you said you, told, you just told us that you had to change the business name. Um, you know, hasn't necessarily taken shape, right? And then... On top of that, no, and I know this from experience, you know, expenses slapping your left, right, and center, you don't know where they're coming from, right? So how did you guys manage Quarital operationally in the beginning, right? And how did you manage expectations within that period? Shana, you want to take this one? Yeah, man, sure, no problem. Um, so one of the first things that we tried um, was to basically figure out what skills and talents we had that we could put in the business. Um, for example, if you're really good at copywriting or marketing, for example, or you can do a voiceover, that is one less expense that you don't have to give somebody else that you can actually um, do and you can cost it later. Um, that's what was one of the first things. I have a funny story, though. When we started, I, I, I was in law. 
didn't do anything about technology, didn't know how to do anything about website, graphic design, none of that. Um, I'm here to study to be a lawyer, and that's what I'm going to actually do. I got bitten by this bug, and then I went to one of my friends who I thought was really good at you know, website design and how to build applications and stuff. And I asked him, like, Bridget, um, if you need to cost this, how much would I cost this? At? And he gave me this wild, out of the blue number. And I just realized that at that point in time, we couldn't afford to do that at all. Um, and I spent, I think, a couple of weeks basically tinkering around how to build web applications, how to build a website, for example. And that drove me into a position where I had this whole new skill set. We created our website so we didn't have to cost that to anybody else. Um, a lot of the subscriptions that we would have basically paid for, I found free alternatives for them. We couldn't necessarily afford Word or, or Office 365, so we used some of the open source technologies in the beginning because those subscriptions really do add up. So the first step is to basically think about what exactly you can do, um, what skills you can learn to basically you know, um, offset some of those immediate costs that you actually have and knowing that at some point when you get clients, you can always fire yourself from those positions and get other people who are way more skilled than you are to basically um, do, do that and do a better job at it. Right. So, so Kevin, how did you, within that period now, how did you guys, so for instance now, the, the, the reputation of Coritel is being built in that beginning stage, in that, in that first step. Right. Um, expectations. It, it's something that <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very difficult notion to do, especially in the beginning um, where, you know, for instance, you have you have to be bringing on employees or you have to be inviting people or friends even to, to, to work with you on this on this legacy, on your dream. Right. But the willingness to complete tasks, um, the willingness to see your legacy, you know, through isn't necessarily the same pedigree within, you know, those persons, maybe that you even hire and you don't expect it to. So how did you guys manage the expect that expectation where, you know, you thought output would have been at a particular level or, you know, how, how did you guys manage that expectation in the beginning? Yeah, so that's that's a really great question, and um, this 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 is still a expect managing expectations for us um, has been something that we have to learn, but not don't not make it be the only thing that like oh these persons are not necessarily they have most highly skilled, therefore we can't expect better from them. Um, I don't think that's that's it um, initially. Uh, building the team, finding the right people that we need for our team. It's, it, it sometimes takes many searches. Um, we've gone through people, we've gone through different positions where we've tried to fill them and like the people that we ha initially had, they don't share the same values that we share, right? And, and that, that's part of it. And, and, and that's still something that we have to be learning um, because you have to be, in a way, be able to empathize with the person seeing that they're learning. Um, so one, one of the things that we try to promote at Coretel right now is this, this, this idea of extreme ownership um, of both the, the idea that is Coretel and the, the company, 
um, where people come on and they know that they're not, they're not just building something because are working somewhere, they're building something. Right. Um, and that right. thing that they're building, they're also going to be sharing in it eventually um, because that, that's, that's how startups work, especially in the early stages. Um, most people who worked at, like, let's say, Facebook or Google, they, they actually own, own a, a part of that company and that affects their entire life. And, right. and I think for us, it's been to communicate that as well as identify people who share our values. So this eagerness for learning and trying new things and doing things differently and just proving the world wrong. So that, that's been a big part, big part for us in terms so, of so, um, looking at that. So is it a case where even though, let's say, they're not at, this, they're not at the standard at which you, know, you guys operate currently, if you see that drive, you see that hunger, if you see that passion that you guys share in building and, you know, trying to, to, to see this thing through, is it that you're more patient with those people? Are you willing to, to teach and nurture them just as you are nurturing the company? Or is that case where, all right, listen, we have a startup. We need to get our foot off the ground, up and running. So we need people who are ready and raring to go. Shana, you want to take this one? Yeah, I will. Um, it, it's a bit of both. Um, one is to basically not lower your expectations, but at the same time provide an environment where learning can happen. There can be some mistakes. And once there's some communication and there's some learning and growth from that, then um, we all win in the end. Um, there is also something I want to just point out. Sometimes in the early days, you think, well, if, if I had all the money in the world, I could hire all the best people and um, I would have a much better time. That oftentimes is not the case. We have had situations before where we hire the best person. This is the person that on paper looks to be the most qualified. It has happened to us like I think four or five different times. And it's mm -hmm. oftentimes not those people who turn out to be, you know, the, the individual who makes the company go to our next level. It is somebody right. who says, hey, I know I don't have all the skills, I know I don't have all the qualifications, but if you give me a chance um, and it's an environment that I can grow in, um, I, I, will, I will make the organization into what it is today, and that has been the truth. In fact, most of the individuals that we hire now are mostly underdogs. We don't look at sometimes qualifications. We look more at, okay, what's your portfolio? You know, oh, you don't have a degree in this art. Show me what you do similar before. Do you have a mindset for learning and growth and communication, openness, honesty? Um, once I have those things, we look for more of a value placement than on a skills placement. Skills uh, is secondary. The values right. is the first thing. Once you have that, um, you right. can grow with that team and team members. So, so it's a proactive, it's a proactive mindset then. So I, I, I love actually I absolutely love that. Um now in a day and age where you see a lot of Jamaican businesses springing up. Um you know, you guys started in 2016. Come on, right? Um, that, that's where the idea started. Um, you guys, uh, especially come on, because we had a conversation prior, he said that he operated in the, in the working world. Now, that transition from the working world to the business, dropping that safety, leaving that haven, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, it, it, it can be a scary thing. 
right? Especially when you're building a life, especially when you have a life and responsibilities, um, children, you know, your house, your household, that can be a scary um, experience. Now, why is it that you guys took the chance on Queritel? Why do you think that Queritel was a risk that you were supposed to take? Boy, that's a loaded question. Um, when, when, we, <laughs> when we, when we, um, I think it, it's, it's, it's a combination of both. Uh, we were both working at the time. Looking back at it, sometimes Chana and I would sit and we say, boy, we were really doing a lot of things at the same time because while trying to get the startup, we were also working, we were also coaching, and sometimes we were at school doing other stuff. And like, yeah, we were really like overdoing it. And then, and then making that decision to leave what we were doing, um, we were not, it's not like, oh, we weren't getting paid enough. So, you know, I'm going to look for it. It wasn't like that. If we had stayed in the job that we had, we would have probably been fine um, by any, any other person's standard. But I think what happened is we, we, we were shopping around Queritel. We went into some competitions and we were getting success. And I think part of it is that when you get that first taste of success to say, okay, you've proven this, you're like, what, what else can I prove? And then it became about proving that this thing could work. I remember we used to spend like late nights at the Pegasus because like it was after work and we'd meet there and we'd like go through things. I don't know, like sometimes people would see us there. I'm like, oh, you guys are always here like late in the, in the nights. Right. And we had an issue like, how are we going to do this data collection thing in a new way to help businesses? And like we finally got the idea and we left that night feeling like oh tomorrow we're gonna make a million dollars looking at looking back at it now it's ridiculous to think that but that's the feeling that we left there with um that, that there was just this this energy and that was a few months before we actually decided to leave our jobs because what we noticed is that even though we were working at this, at this thing we, at that time we had clients that were paying us but we still had our nine to fives and we said, okay, by this date, we're, we're going to be, you know, leaving. So what we did is we saved for a runway, saved our salary, like meager salaries. I, I was living with a few roommates and I was like, guys, I got to cut back <laughs> because like, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. So that, that allowed us to, to, to really put that in. But I can tell you when you're, when you take that, plunge the first three months like the first two months were like and things weren't going the way that we want them to go we're like boy Shana, i think i'm gonna get one dick's work you know because i mean i think things are coming as fast as we expected to two months and short two months two is months very short. short two months but two months without seeing a paycheck yeah, yeah, landing your, your bank account is like like wow that's a drought if you didn't get paid for two months like something yeah. is wrong and, and, and that, that really, what really kept us going is like at the, the, the last mile, all the work, we weren't seeing it, but we were putting in the work, but the results just took a little bit of time because after right. that, it took us like three months to really 
get in our stride and then we were like oh yeah we can do this we can do this so that, that that's I, I think we left um in 2019 Mm. Right, right before summer so we've been full-time just doing query tell since that time since then okay so can i kevin mentioned a while ago that you guys were on the run getting into competitions and finding success in competitions now a lot of jamaican business owners um they, they, they don't necessarily see markets beyond local markets right there are opportunities there for funding and exposure that they will not see because of, you know, I wouldn't say a closed mindset, but I would just because they operate here, um, it's almost like a closed loop. They can't see anything beyond it. So, you know, what was it like seeking opportunities across borders and, you know, how can even new business owners try and access the same resources? I think that's an awesome question. Um, when we were at university, I got an email from, um, from, this, from this organization called Web Summit. And they were saying, hey, we heard about your startup. Um, we want to invite you to Portugal, um, which has the, and, and bring you to this Web Summit thing. It's, it's like a huge conference of like different startups, for example. Um, right. That was our first introduction to what an entire ecosystem outside of Jamaica looked like. And what we did from that is that we went to that space, we saw all the other startups that were there, and we took back home so much ideas about what exactly we can actually do within, within our space locally, for example. And what we started to do was that once you try to get into some other ecosystems, for example, so first, it may be just joining a newsletter of an organization in another country, for example, that says, hey, we provide um, you know, funding or we provide resources for startups. And, and sometimes you'll see the opportunities come through and that you noodle is also another good space. They send something every month called a competitive edge. And it shows you like all these other spaces, all these other ecosystems that, are, that have resources that you can actually tap into. Um, and some of these may be you know, credits from AWS, Digital Ocean, et cetera. So you can really help out your startup in that kind of way. We were looking for help. We were looking for some validation in other spaces. A lot of start companies um, love to say, you know, I want to expand beyond the Caribbean into Latin America. But a lot of them, for right. example, have never actually like been to a Latin American country. Fun fact, the Jamaican passport can get you into about 90% of the countries in Latin America visa-free. But a lot of people don't really look at that because, you know, they think about the language barrier and say, well, mm -hmm. I don't speak Spanish. How exactly is that going to work? But within the Latin American context, there is a lot of programs, some of them government funded like Startup Chile or um, private funded who provide resources to, to companies who want to basically grow, not just in the Caribbean, but also Latin America. And we took that plunge in. Um, we applied for Startup Chile twice. The first time was real trash. I mean, we look at it with real upset that we never get through. But yeah. looking back at the application, no, we were not surprised that we didn't actually get through. And then right. we applied again and we got that um, email. And from that point in time, that was our entry point within Latin America. And we have realized that 
there's so much similarities between Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, it, it is a more expansive market. There are millions of people here. Um, but you really have to figure out that culture um, and how exactly you're going to work within that particular business ecosystem. So I think right. that would be my number one advice. So, so Kevin, what was it like participating at that stage, um, at that level? Because for some startup CEOs or some startup founders, that level can be quite intimidating, right? You know, you, you don't have much information about, you know, anything beyond your borders. Um, you don't think structurally, organization-wise, you know, you don't think that you have it all together. You know, what, what was that transition like for you guys? Um, can I mention that, you know, the first, the first, um, proposal the first pitch was never looks so good right so between that pitch and the second pitch you know what changed was it the exposure that gave you the insight right i i think uh what what made that difference was the first time we kind i think we kind of rushed it because the idea that i think it was same around the same time i mentioned where we were at the pegasus and got that 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 that, that stroke of idea. And we didn't have enough time between writing that application and, and, and really implementing and testing some of those things. So um, it wasn't as clear as it became eventually. Um, to, for us, we got through to start actually within the same year that we actually left our jobs and everything was happening within the same year. There was a lot that was happening in 2019. So we heard about that. So we were preparing to come here for 2020, um, saying, oh, if 2019 is anything to show, 2020 is going to be the best year ever. Boy, <laughs> where we are. <laughs> ah. yeah. we, we, spend, we, spend, we spend weeks actually researching, like, what are the spaces, what are the businesses, trying to do some prep work. In fact, one of our first hires um, how we got to them was that we met someone in Jamaica who was like a, a, a close, a close person to us in our, in our, in our, in our network. And they actually went to school with someone from Chile. And then they um, introduced us to that person who had a, what we, we call a, a, a brother-in-law who was looking for work. <laughs> so, okay. 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 <laughs> So, so, so the, the jumps to that, but we were, we were kind of scared, like, um, I don't want to do like friend of our friend hiring. I want to go and search for my own person. So what we did, we went out to try and search for our own person, but the, right. the, 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 app, the, 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 app, the applicants that we got, they were good, but they were not, they were not it. That, that thing that we said we were looking for, they were right. not it. And, and to this day, the person that we end up going with, he has been the, the, one of the best tires that we've made and he's still working with us now um, and, and has helped us, you know, connect with a lot of businesses because of his own background within the space. And it was just, it was, it was just a right fit um, for us. So when we, when we did our research and we are coming here with a plan to implement. This episode was brought to you by Proximity Tech. Proximity Tech is the first choice in mobile phone, tablet, and laptop repairs. You don't need to go searching because they're always near you. They're located at 20 South Avenue inside Ping Links, right? Thank you very much, Proximity Tech. And now let's get back to the episode. All right, so Quartel 
operates um, across borders, as you said before, right? Um, but you're Jamaican going to Chile, operating in Chile and expanding the business from there. How, how, did, you, how, how did that happen, um, first of all? And how hard was the transition from Jamaica to Chile? Um, what, was it, what, what, what was that like, moving operations? Yeah, so for us, that came through Startup Chile. So Startup Chile is one of the programs Shania mentioned. Uh, it's a government-run program here. And someone in Jamaica actually told us about it. Um, and then we went and said, okay, we're going to apply for this thing. Um, the first application wasn't good because we didn't quite work on it um, well enough. But what we had going, for, going into the, the, the second application is that we... I think we had a lot of things done. Right. Preparing for it, we spent a lot of weeks preparing for what that was going to look like because like 2019 was the best year for us and we thought 2020 is going to be awesome. Okay. But coming here, cool? or, yeah, or it just wiped our plans off the map yeah. completely. Yeah. Um, and I think we also went through this phase of imposter syndrome where we were like, should we actually be here? Do, because we were at the first Jamaican, if not Caribbean startup to you know, participate. Like they, they only select like the top, what, 0.1% of the, the people that apply. I'm like, well, why are we, you know? And then it was kind of going through that and being in the pandemic, um, we were stuck in our apartment. It was three of us because uh, our CTO is also here with us. Every day, getting up, seeing these guys, there's no change in the routine over and over again. It, 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 the walls felt like they, they were closing in and we weren't really moving because you were stuck in one space, literally. Um, right. So that was, that was really tough because we had a lot of expectations and we just just started to see some of that change this year. By the middle of this year, things were kind of opening up again and we were able to start realizing we had our first in-person client meeting um, just a few days ago. I had that in my hand, my mind planned for when we just got here and like for <laughs> that yeah. didn't happen. But the language barrier would have been a thing, but... We yes. have a member on our team who I, I explained how we got there. It was like a recommendation. And we, from someone who went to school with their brother-in-law from Jamaica, and that it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And that person has been helping us with the sales, communicating with the clients. So is it, you guys have, is it, is it guys that you have to be, you have to be learning the Spanish? Or how far are you along with that? Yeah, we're good at reading and like listening. However, yeah. speaking is my challenge. I, 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 have, I get like stage fright trying to speak <laughs> I just I'm just going to mess it up. I'm just going to yeah. say the wrong thing. But like, I could, most of my meetings that are done by the sales team are done in Spanish, but I'll still go to those meetings and no, I'll yeah. listen and I'll listen. follow from beginning right. to end and know what they want. I'm good at ordering food. So, yeah. Um, Catch me in the supermarket. Yeah, man. I'm perfect Spanish. Out of, 
any other context um, is abysmal. In, in fact, um, somebody will be saying something to me and I'm just saying, see, yes, yes. And I, I probably could have been giving away my life. Um, I remember a whole lady signed up for a whole credit card and I didn't even know um, until she said it was finished. But yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, that was a, that's a funny experience. Um, we, we've been through the history. We've been through the transitions of Coretel. Now, um, give us an overview ex- of exactly, you know, packing all that in, you know, what the Quartel, what is Quartel, and what the Quartel experience has been like. So just give us that rundown, a general rundown, based on what we discussed from before. Yeah, sure. So as I said, Quartel has changed over the years. It was first like connecting people to, you know, researchers. Um, so mm-hmm. now we're, we really focused in on a, a specific customer segment within the market. So looking at consumer packaged goods, um, those that produce um, goods and, and manage like their own sales teams and sort and, and things like that. Um, so what Quartel does, it provides those companies or let's say the, the, the sales managers within those companies with data about the market space that they would not have otherwise had access to or don't have access in the same frequency. So we are really focused on the traditional market. So within Latin America and the Caribbean, most of like the goods and products that people consume are bought through what they call traditional channels that are small mini markets or in Jamaica, corner shop and wholesale, so not necessarily the big box supermarket because those have like a certain, um, I would say, you know, customer base as well. Right. And right. what we've been able to do is help them collect more information about that segment, both in terms of promotions that they run within those spaces, um, how people are consuming different things, their product placement within the market, um, their sales volume within the market. This is information that, most companies don't have, or if they're trying to get it from somewhere else, um, it's, it's going to be very hard to find. And if they do have it, they're not going to share it with anyone else. So we're really giving them the ability to collect their own information and as, used, as well as um, tap into the information that we're able to collect for them um, to set their KPIs, their sales targets. So we're really revolutionizing how that kind of information is accessed because we're using a lot of different things to process both images, um, to you know, identify different brands and different homes in, in, on the shelves of supermarkets as well, so they can get a better sense of where their products are and also where their competitors are, because that's, that's the part that is oftentimes missing. They don't know what the other guy is doing, and we're helping them see that. Shanai, how difficult was it um, or how difficult is it because it's still operating um, within the B2B marketplace? How, how difficult is it um, or was it, let me say in the beginning, how difficult was it um, to first get entrance into the B2B marketplace and how difficult is it operating now? Right. So a lot of individuals would say that the B2B space is like a, is like a, you know, a club, you know, you have to pay an entry fee. Right. 
Um, it's not like B2C where you can just go, there, there's a lot of your consumers, for example, that you can have a conversation with. Correct. Um, what we did in the early days is that we um, sent emails, we, we called individuals, we, the secretary would give us a number, we called that number too, and in cases where we weren't getting any type of satisfactory response, we would go sympathetically to their offices and ask for the person directly to speak in person. Um, and that, that's the kind of grip that it required for us. Sometimes there will be days where I just meet Kevin at the bus stop and we say where we're going. And, you know, Kevin would say, all right, we're stopping at these particular three spaces because sometimes we needed to cut through the noise. I mean, some of these companies get like a, a lot of phone calls on a daily basis. So we needed to be different. We needed to show up because sometimes that will show that the company, for example, is a different sort of company. Yes, they may be young. Yes, they may look like they're naive and they don't understand a lot of things. But the main yeah. fact that these two people are in the lobby waiting to speak to somebody, you're more likely to get a response. Um, and you're more memorable because we're going to be like, hey, we were the guys that were in the lobby today. We spoke to X person because that would really push us for, um, to get some of those meetings. Once you get the meetings, it's about having a conversation with the company to figure out what exactly are the pain points that they have. And unfortunately, sometimes that may not be what you're actually selling. Um, but it's right. important to not go in and try to sell your product, but rather to listen. And that's how we call them discovery meetings. Um, sometimes it's just about having a conversation. You don't have to buy anything. You don't even have to listen to us, but we're here to listen to what you are saying. We would go home and do the homework to figure out what are, what, what's the major concern? What's the, what's the similarities between the five, six, seven meetings that we have actually had? And then we try to move that up into trying to get to talk to the right person to have the right meetings and to convert those individuals that we are trying to convert into actual clients. Is that, is, um, is that, is that how you guys derive your product market fit from those meetings? And then you, you, you kind of you aggregated all that data and you said, all right, this is what these people want based on the discovery meetings. So maybe we need to alter the product market fit to fit the needs of most of our clients. Was, was that it? Yeah, I, I think that that's a huge part of it um, because we will do our own kind of research on the companies and what they're doing and what, what they're planning on doing if like that information is available. But I remember one of our, one of, one of our products that we're really focused on right now came out of a conversation with a client a few months back or a year back where they explained to us a specific problem. And then it took us a while because then we keep copious notes of our meetings so we can go back to see like what was, what did they say was their concern? And then we realized a trend. And we're like, oh, this is where we need to focus on because this is the, the common thread between these clients. Right. And that's, that, that's how we were able to narrow what we were doing but also on, 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 on the marketing side, narrow the messaging to speak to that thing because sometimes your solution does solve the problem, but the problem that you think it is the problem is not the major problem. It's just the, 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 the end point, what the customer, what would make their lives better, what would make their jobs easier. And you may be focused on the process, making the process easier, but you just can't care about the outcome. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's also what may make 
um, a company take a chance on somebody that's new, um, quote unquote, fresh off the boat, um, because they, they recognize that you are more in tune with understanding what their pain points actually are and basically finding a solution for that specific pain point. Correct, correct. Lovely. So you guys operate within the, <clears throat> within the data space, right? Um, as we move into the contactless age, you know, technology is developing, um, you know, the society is shifting as well with and towards that technological advancement. And, you know, data seems to be one of the most invaluable currencies. Let me put currencies in brackets so the SEC or the FSC, you know, comes, you know right? <laughs> it seems to be the most invaluable currency nowadays as you move further into that age. So, so why, in your opinion, is Quartel the best choice to manage that currency? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, as I'm thinking about that, what my response would be, um, kind of goes back to one of the philosophies behind Quartel is that I know a lot of companies out there are extracting data and like it's not the most appealing industry to be in right now because of like some of the negative press. Anytime personal data, any kind of data is in the news, it's never positive. So there's always that negative connotation with it. Um, but we believe that there, there's an ethical way of actually gathering data um, that we could do. As you rightly put, data is a currency. And we want to be able to say, okay, if we're helping companies um, get value out of the data that we're providing or helping them access, that the, the spaces that they're gathering that information from is also benefiting as well, or the, the, the people within those spaces. So whether that's our network of people who are contributing to the, the streams of data by visiting stores, or if that is our network of stores who are benefiting through their, us bringing them closer to the brands that they're selling so that they can actually improve their business. I think that's why Quartel is, is right, the perfect choice because it's not just extractive, it's building a relationship and ecosystem that provides a sustainable source of data um, right. where it's adequately priced, I, I believe. And then there's fair exchange for that. Mm-hmm. So, so Quartel itself, is it a software? Is it um, a tool that these companies have access to or is it or is it um something else what what is what is Quartel itself is it yeah so so Quartel itself is a, is a is a platform it's a suite of tools that companies can use to source their own data manage their teams to collect the information as well as a tool where they can access information that we have collected on, on, on their behalf, um, whether that's through a network of stores or a network of people. So it, 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 it's essentially a platform where companies can do it themselves in terms of you know, using, using our technology to achieve the same outcomes with their own teams, or they can tap into our network of people or network of stores to gather some information and visualize that information on our dashboards. All right, right. Very good. Very nice. Very brief definition and explanation there. Now, Shanai, Kevin and I had, um, as, I, as I repeatedly have said before, Kevin and I had a prior conversation to this podcast. And 
you know, moving into the latter part of that conversation, he described to me, um, you know, the, the journeys that you took um, together as Queritel. Um, and he also described, I asked him a question, asked him, you know, what kind of person are you? And he described you as, you know, the A-type personality, you know, the type of person that is respected by those in the room, you know, almost commands that respect, you know, that's, that, that's, what, that's who he described you as. Um, and rightfully so, I can, I can almost feel that, um, that synergy there or that energy there from you. Um, so my question is, what do you think Taiwan's most notable character strength is, right? And what makes him a good business partner? So, um, like, thanks so much, but, you know, type A, boy, that, 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 that's a lot. Um, <laughs> so, one of Kevin's amazing abilities is to, is to listen. You know, so, sometimes I, I talk too much, <laughs> and Kevin <laughs> has, has the lovely responsibility of having to listen to, to what I'm saying, digest some of the parts that make sense, and distill it, and then come back and say, all right, I think this is what you're trying to actually gets across. So an amazing listener, first of all, which is, which is what you actually need. And Kevin provides also um, a really good balance of perspectives. What you, what you don't want to be working with is a yes man, right? You don't want to be the person that comes in and you say, I want this. And then everybody's like, yes, how high? You need yeah. someone to basically challenge what your perspective is, call it out sometime on the foolishness that you, that, that, that you want to provide and present to people. And, and provide that balance. And Kevin has been able to, to say, no, Shanae, I don't think that quite makes sense. Um, I don't think, I, I think this is a better way in which you can actually get it done. And, and I listen, right? Um, Kevin is an extraordinary people person as well. Um, when I would get very upset with individuals on our team for you know, hitting, missing a mark or missing a deadline, for example, Kevin would basically say, listen, if someone is coming from a C to a B minus, but you wanted them at an A, you, you, you have to recognize that they moved from a particular space. Recognize the jump between a C and a B minus and understand that that person is actually growing and you're not going to get everything when you want it all the time. I'm a very impatient person. Um, yeah. I feel like everybody's supposed to be clocking 150 miles per hour every single day. Kevin uh, is that person that will you know, be the breaker you know, and in, in, when, when you have too much electrical surge that's going through your system, you need yeah. somebody able there to basically be able to control that current, to control that pressure and basically keep the ship afloat. I don't think I'd be able to basically say that Quartel is where it is right now without um, Kevin. Because without Kevin, we just like a pressure cooker, without the little dazzle at the head, you know, right. trying to trying to release my pressure would have blown yeah. up a long time. If it was not me one, it would have blown up a long time. And not in um, the good way. And, 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 and not, not in the good way, you know? Um, so so I, I, think, I think that's what it is. We create an environment where it, it, it's a cool environment because you have that really good balance between hot and, and cold and finding that balance. Nothing can work without balance. Nothing can work without patience. Right. Agreed, agreed. Now, you guys have spent quite a lot of time, you know, away from Jamaican soil, you know, taking, taking another personal um, question, if you don't mind, um, you know, the effect, ask come on this question as well, the effect that it has on you as it relates to your family, 
um, the relationship that exists, that foundation that allows you to propel yourself to new heights, you know, having a support system. These things tend to be um, at the core um, of especially operators such as yourselves. Now, how hard has it been, um, you know, being away from the ones you love? Is it mentally straining? Um, do, you, do you face guilt sometimes about leaving? Or is it something that those you love have accepted um, and, you know, they want the best for you? Well, I don't feel any guilt. <laughs> um, I would say sometimes I do feel guilty. I, 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 but I think they do understand um, what we're trying to do. Um, we have a very unique team um, in that we are intern our own support systems as well, um, especially over the last year, year and a half or two years. Um, we become our kind of own support system as well. For me, um, I've not been able to, well, I've been able to see my family now in, in the last few weeks, but before it was going up to almost two years without seeing them, things were happening. People were either dying, people were sick, you know, things were just happening. Life was happening and you weren't necessarily a part of it or in the moment with it. And I think for the most part, people understand and we're like sometimes like, oh, you work too much. Like you're always working. Why you're not there? Stuff I have to, I said, I have to schedule in time. I can't let everyone know. I can't I tell my, my, my sister gets up and like, you have to schedule me in. <laughs> like, yes. So I, I make time to say, okay, I'm going to call these people on this day. So don't forget. So that has been um, kind of how um, we've been able to kind of balance that as well. Um, I guess one of the good things is that none of us have kids or, or, or commitments that were like, you know, if you have like a family that you're working with right now, that would have been harder. But I guess like with the Startup Chili program, you could have brought them here, but um, that, 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 that helps us because then you're only focused on what you have to do and nothing else. But yeah, we, we're, trying to, we're trying to have that balance come back into our lives now, but it's, it's, it's pretty difficult, especially as things kind of ramp up. Yeah, I mean, from on my side, um, well, me and my family always have this virgin understanding, right? Um, my my mom, my grandmother has been extremely sacrificial. Um, they they would have sacrificed right. lunch money to go to school, for example. They 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 would have done a lot of that. Um, and and one of the biggest things is that from an early age they would have said to me that hey, I am sacrificing a lot so that you can go forward and you can make a better life for your future generations. And in large part, that's what I take in and be my like self-motivator, knowing that I am doing this um, from my generation as well, but also from the next generation um, that comes after me. All right. So, so let's move into the, the final segment of this interview. Now, gentlemen, this has been tremendous. Um, you shared both personal and professional um, experiences and i must thank for that not everyone is open to doing so um 
you know, you guys, you, Kevin spoke about synergy. You guys seem to have it down packed and locked in, right? Um, that is an extremely important part of building um, a company as well, um, building a legacy um, with time and over time. Now, uh, Quartel, Quartel um, as, you, as you mentioned before, guys, um, it's a data collections company, right? But what are the services, let's say, how, how, what services do you offer to companies, you know, seeking that? And what if they don't even know what they need? How is it that, you know, you, you mentioned the discovery meetings um, to find a solution, but, you know, what are the services that you provide and, you know, how would you guide a company, you know, unknowingly to, to provide them with a solution for what they need? Well, um, there are a number of solutions that we have, um, one of which um, I mentioned before, which is the ability for them, uh, if it's a CPG company, if, and they have like a sales team, whether these are people that work on the plan sales or store visits and so on, um, to use our application and our system to manage that workforce. Um, so they can collect data while they're in the field and have that data visualized on the dashboard. Um, the, the, their dashboard should be configured for them. Um, another thing that we do is companies that want to do surveys um, as well with the network. Um, we do a lot of what we call home stories. Home stories uh, where persons are able to submit. Um, we'll be tracking brands that people have in their home. You know, we're doing something um, tracking uh, people's, how people take care of their pets, uh, trying to understand like, the, the consumer from that, that perspective, what brands are people preferring, that kind of stuff. Um, and we also are able to do other kinds of, we, well, we kind of paused last year the, the in-person kind of um, surveys, but what we've been able to, to supplement that with people visiting and collecting prices for companies right now we're working with a, a, a new company here in Chile that is um, breaking into the market and that was one of the things that we wanted companies to be able to do from Jamaica is like get into the market like surprisingly people here in Chile like love Jamaican culture like like who is playing Jamaican music not a Jamaican some Chilean guy loves Jamaica all right so, yeah, so companies who want to explore new markets, like collect prices, find out who the competitors are within the space, find out like, like how to enter that space, getting the taste profile of that country. Those are some of the services that we're able to provide to our, our platform. Um, how we help a company with that, of course, we have our discovery meeting, we're trying to understand that what are your key performance indicators, what are KPIs, what do you want, what, what are the things that you have to say, okay, I have to meet this amount of sales per month, or I have to, you know, have this campaign, I have to track the effectiveness of it, and then from that, we will work on designing a, a, a tracking system for you, and that can be a subscription where they can subscribe, it can be done monthly, or it can be done over a few um, different intervals and they can track that information and have it in their dashboards in, 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 in a short period of time so they're able to see how things are changing over, over months and weeks as well. Right. And Shanai, how, how can companies listening 
or business owners listening to this podcast right now get in contact with Quirtel? So we have a number of ways. Um, you can basically send us a message on social media. That's Quirtel on Instagram and Facebook. And, um, or you can go to our website, Quirtel.com. That's Q-U-E-R-I-T-E-L.com. Click the button that basically allows you to schedule a business meeting. Or you can send us an email at hello, that's H-E-L-L-O, at Quirtel.com. So um, those are some of the quick, easy ways that you can um, connect with us, or you can call us at one nine zero four eight seven eight zero one three three. Excellent, excellent, gentlemen, excellent. So we're gonna wrap up now, guys. Um, it has been quite the experience over the past hour or so. Um, you guys have provided, you know, more than sufficient information about Quirtel, about yourselves, about the operation of the company, the history behind the company. And for those of you listening um, and want, wanting to contact Quirtel, I will be leaving the contact information in the description of this podcast, um, as well as, of course, everybody knows you use Instagram. So you guys can definitely contact um, Quirtel via Instagram or the social media pages um, and get more information and, or even find out how they can um, help your business get ahead. So gentlemen, um, without further ado, I will end this podcast by saying thank you very much for your time. Um, we do hope that you find, continue to find success in your endeavors and, um, you know, Godspeed. Thank you. It was great, great speaking with you today. It was really good. Much, much respect, Thanks, much respect. Um, guys, can you, um, Kevin, we, we had a conversation um, last on the meeting. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's Tuesday. Um, I think we're supposed to organize something today. We, um, our meeting on Tuesday. Shanai, you remember? You remember what we were saying? Yeah, uh, we, yeah. So we still, we still have that on the agenda for next week. Um, we haven't settled on a, a date. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, so I, I, I'll have to. I'll send you an email. I think Kadri had your email, so I'll send you an email. Um, but um, hope we had another meeting today in regard to the same thing. Um, so right. by by by, let's say Monday, I should be able to provide an update in terms of when we can meet again. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. All right, gentlemen. Um, thank you very much. Um, look forward to contacting you and working with you. Um, take care of yourselves. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Please.